known, I, I know I've done a number of messages on repentance, but it just seems that I keep coming back to that same thing of something that is needed uh, in our lives to look at repentance. So I want to share about some thoughts about repentance today. And being communion day, the Bible says, let's a person examine themselves, let's look at ourselves, see where we are spiritually, because there may be things that we need to look at where we need to repent off and to get our hearts right with God. Um, of late, I've been reading uh, some books about the church in today's society, uh, looking at some of the stats, uh, talking to other pastors. We had a pastor here last week um, uh, from Virginia and just uh, chatting with him about uh, how well is the church doing uh, throughout the United States as he travels. And not, not always good testimonies. Uh, sometimes there's not so great testimonies that are coming out at this time. I've also been reading a book on revival. Uh, my son Christopher bought that for me. It's entitled, Revival or We Die. A Great Awakening is Our Only Hope by Michael Brown. And that book also examines the condition of Christianity in North America today and kind of points out that, you know what, the church is in trouble if it doesn't make some changes or if we don't have a revival or a move of the Holy Spirit. In my devotional time, I've been uh, reading the book of Revelation. And uh, normally I, I enjoy reading the book of Revelation, and this time I didn't enjoy it at all. Uh, in fact, I, I just felt myself, found myself grieving as I'd read through the book of Revelation. And why I was grieving is because the Revelation talks a lot about the church and uh, where the church is, but it also talks about the world and where the world is and how Many times, though the world may be given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to respond to God, that many will choose not to respond. And as I just read the book, I just felt a grieving uh, in my spirit. And as I got thinking about that and looking at the world and seeing how so often there would be a judgment that would come upon the world, and the Bible would say, and still the people recognizing that it was God who brought the judgment would not repent of their ways or of their sin. And that got me thinking as well that, well, the book of Revelation it starts off with uh, speaking to the churches. And in the churches, God is saying really the same kind of message that there's this need of repentance. And, and so reading all of that kind of really got me thinking uh, quite a bit. And then uh, top of all of that, began to think about communion. And that kind of happened this week. Uh, we had a person that came into the church and, and was wanting prayer. And they said, you know, Pastor, I really need communion. We have communion. It was kind of interesting that uh, at the same time, some other people from the church actually came in at the exact same time. And so there was a little group of us, and we all had communion together. And then later on that night, uh, we, we did it as well in another home. And as I was reading, uh, you know, communion passages, again, kind of knows that, you know, when you, you read the full text of Scripture, which is very important that you do. Sometimes we just read portions and you read the whole text. Sometimes you see that not everything is always so good, even in the church. And, and a, a theme that I could see that was arising there was that we really do need to look at ourselves and see if there's anything inside of us that we need to repent of or change uh, in our lives. It was interesting last week, it was uh, or a couple of weeks ago, driving in my truck, and um, I was thinking of this uh, particular 
situation and uh, kind of had some thoughts towards it. And as soon as I had those thoughts, it just hit, the Spirit of God just hit me so quick and said, do I see pride starting to rise within you? And it kind of took me back, and I was thinking, what? Pride? Well, Lord, I'm, I'm talking about my, this is who I am in you. I, I thought you wanted me to be you know, more bold and, and, and stand more on who I am in Christ, and that I'm a child of God, and I'm chosen, and I'm loved of God. And I just heard the Lord saying, what you need in this season is humility. It's humility that's going to take you further and take you to the place that I want you to be. And so as I heard that, I just, right there as I'm driving on that highway, just saying, God, then forgive me. Cleanse me of any pride that may come into my life because I don't want anything to interfere with what you would have for me. And, you know, as you think about that, I say that because, you know, pastors need to repent at times too. And that all of us, the Bible says all of us need to repent. It's a need for every one of us. But I want to include myself in that as well. You know, there's a movement today in Christianity to lessen that commitment to Christ, to kind of tone down the seriousness of sin, and we throw out that whole need of repentance. And it seems that many people are believing the lie that God's okay with our sin and that it doesn't really matter and our excuses are all very valid and God understands our excuses. I know Pastor Christopher he really tackled this subject, especially when he first uh, began preaching here. And he examined the grace movement and the progressive Christianity movement. And he really did. He poured out his heart, uh, educating us of the false gospel and how it's leading many people astray. And, and for Christopher, it really wasn't an urgency. He was saying, Dad, I, I have to speak in this. I, I have to tell people. I, I see my generation falling away from God and believing this. I see all these kids that... I've been working with in the university, and now they're falling away from God. I see kids here in St. Paul. I see kids everywhere, and young adults and even older adults that are listening uh, to this form of Christianity, which is really is not Christianity at all. And he began to you know, expose the lies of that doctrine. And just to mention to you, if you've got some questions about progressive Christianity, talk to Chris. He's read all the books on it on both sides. And they really put a lot of hours because it's something that's burning in his heart that he wants to see people not miss what God has for them and that they would not miss heaven, most importantly. And if you read the stats on churches, you know, it's kind of interesting, a little bit discouraging that we still see that there's the decline in most churches since COVID. Um, you would think after COVID being over, and I know there's still the sicknesses out there, but you think that people would be thriving back to see that there has to be an answer and that God is the answer. And, you know, there's uh, lots of podcasts and books and all, articles, all those things kind of telling us, you know, what our church needs today. And yet few are really seeking the Lord about it. We're looking to podcasts. We're looking to books. We're looking uh, to a lot of different areas and opinions of, of others of how, how should we really do church? Well, it's interesting that God already told us how to do church. We look to him. It was interesting, a conversation that I had with our superintendent here in Alberta. He told me that he went to a conference of all the top-growing churches. And he said he found it very interesting. As they came to the end, they asked all the pastors, 
What would be the final feedback that you would give from this conference? It was quite interesting. This was their reply. They said, we need to listen less to podcasts and listen more to the Holy Spirit and what he's saying to the church. And I couldn't agree more. We need to really get our eyes on him. Yes, podcasts are helpful. Yes, books are helpful. Yes, articles are helpful. But when we're just looking there for all the answers, you're not going to find them. It's him that will give us the answer. We need to look upon him. So I want to share some thoughts and convictions of what I really believe God is saying to us and to the church in Canada and how we really should be responding by referring to a few areas that I've been reading about, praying about, looking to the scriptures about. And I want to look at it a little bit uh, quickly of revivals, the church, and then end with communion. You know, now reading books and revivals, uh, you're probably already aware that I enjoy books and revival. I enjoy reading uh, articles uh, about awakenings that have happened in our past or movements that are happening in our nation. And I've been very blessed that I've been able to attend a lot of those that have been happening in our world presently. And it is a wonderful thing to be a part of that. But, you know, as you think about revivals, they really cause you to look at yourself and to look at your own Christianity, to look at your own spirituality and what one needs to be prepared to do to really experience revival. I hear from most people that, yes, I want to see a move of the Spirit. I want to see signs and wonders and miracles. Well, that's what revivals really are. It's an awakening of those things, awakening of our spirits as a church people where God starts doing some great things in our midst. We all want that, but we don't necessarily want the things that bring it. Dr. Brown, who uh, teaches on revival, uh, says this. He was part of the Pensacola revival. Revivals open our eyes and help us see that we're more sinful than we realized. Far more worldly, far more compromised, far more polluted, far more disobedient, far more dishonest and disloyal than we realize. And that's a very true statement. That's what a revival will do. It will help us really see the true person inside. And thus, revivals bring people to repentance. You can't have a revival without repentance. I like listening to revivalists. And when you listen to them or read their books, they speak rather differently than the rest of other pastors or other Christians. Uh, They're usually quite direct. Uh, They don't play around. They really come at you hard and, you know, go right for it. I like Dr. Brown's illustration that challenges how we view our Christianity. You know, the Bible says we are the bride of Christ. As Christians, that's who we are. We are the bride of Christ. And so he kind of asks us the questions, are we truly like a bride to our Lord and our Savior, to our groom, Jesus Christ? And so he kind of gets really direct here, and this is what he says. He says, how would you feel if you proposed to your spouse to marry you? And they responded, yes, but with some conditions. Do I have to give up my other boyfriends or girlfriends? Do I have to be home every night? Can I still have fun and sleep around? Now, such a response in the natural would hopefully cause somebody to say, okay, I don't want to marry you. That's not what I have at all, uh, idea of marriage. But yet, 
Like Brown was saying, isn't that what we do with Christ? We make a vow to say, I will serve you, God. I, I welcome you into my life. I come into my life. I, I'm sorry for my sin. Forgive me and help me to live for you. That's a prayer all of us have prayed probably many times. And yet, what have we done? We're hanging on to that old life. We don't want to give up the old life. We want to hang on to the old boyfriends, girlfriends of our past and our sins of our past. We want to kind of hang on to those things and the pleasures of our old life. And in essence, we're really, what we're doing, we're really sleeping around with other lovers. And God says, I am to be your first love. My first love. Nicky Cruz, some of you might remember him from the, the book, The Cross and the Switchblade, uh, uh, an associate of the David Wilkerson's. And this is what he says about the church. Again, not, not very you know, nice words, but again, revivalists speak a whole lot different than a lot of other people do. And he says, the present church is so compromised that holiness and living a sin-free life is heresy to the modern church. The modern church is quite simply just the world with a Christian t-shirt on. Now, that's some pretty harsh words. Really, it is. But when you're speaking or listening to a revivalist, people have gone through awakenings, moves of God. They, they, don't, they don't play around. They really speak very directly to us. And, and as you experience those revivals, you'll find that, you know what, you're probably not as spiritual as you thought you were. And it will bring you to that place where you'll repent of those sins. And really, that's a common denominator of revival is that people come to Jesus. They repent of their sins and turn to Jesus. And, and I really encourage this. May we heed history and desire a movement in our day because we desperately need one. And when you look historically of revivals, whenever the world is in trouble, it seems that a revival comes along and turns the tide. And we're, we're at that place. You know what? Our world is in trouble. We need a revival. We need a move of God to come and change the tide, change the circumstances, and turn things around. Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. First part is humbling ourselves. Maybe we're not as spiritual as we really thought we were. Humble ourselves. As I said earlier, I've also been reading the book of Revelation and it talks a lot about the church. I want to talk about the church for a moment. And as I said, I, I didn't really find it encouraging at all uh, this time. I actually, I wanted to kind of stop reading and turn, you know, to something else and start reading somewhere else. Because again, I just felt such a grieving in my heart as I was reading the book of Revelations. And, and I realized, you know, that we all can be guilty and, you know, it's so easy to excuse our sin. And the bad part about when we excuse our sin is that we don't get to that place of repentance. That's really important. Whether you're a believer or whether you're a non-believer, it's so important that we come to that place of repentance. And it's interesting that, you know, as you read through the book of Revelations, 
It talks quite a bit about repentance in the book of Revelation. I've always known it's there. I just, this time it just seemed to be jumping out of the pages that much more to me of how often it is in there. And the interesting part is, is that when you read the first part of Revelations, who's it talking to? It's talking to the church. And it's talking to the church about, you know what, there's some things in the church that, that are going on that are not good, that Jesus is not proud of, he's not happy about. And he, and he calls on the church first and foremost that the church needs to repent. And that's very true in Scripture. Christians are people who should know better. And so God calls on the church first and foremost that you lead the way of your repentance. And as you lead the way, the world can then follow. But that's what God's doing here. He's speaking to the church first. And, you know, if we think, well, repentance isn't necessary now that we're Christians, well, why are there so many passages in the Bible that talk about repentance if it's not a problem anymore? God continues to call us to repentance. And as I said, Jesus, first of all, addresses the church, the house of God. Repentance starts with the house of God. Judgment starts, the Bible says, also with the house of God. So it's something that's very, very important. I want to read you just a, a few passages, a few clips uh, of revelations as Jesus is talking to the church. First one is Revelations 2, 2 to 5. It says, I know all the things you do. That's good to know that he sees all that is happening, all that's going on in our lives. He says, I've seen your hard work, your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they're apostles and are not. You discovered that they're liars. You patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first because if you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place amongst the churches. Those are pretty tough words. I have a complaint against you. You don't love me. How's our love for God? Is our love for God growing? Is it greater or is it lesser? I, I see a, a lot of messages out there today in our world where it's telling us that our commitment to God should be less. You don't really need to be concerned about it. And it's really encouraging people to continue to walk in the Christianity in a lesser way. It's not that, all that important. Anytime where your commitment is made to be less to God, pretty much should be assigned to you. Take warning. This is a false doctrine because we're to get closer to Jesus. We're to draw closer. We're to love him even more. And so that's the first part. Have you lost your first love with God? Is it still there? Are you still passionate about Jesus? And then he's also talking about, well, what about your love for one another? We really need to love one another. That was a beautiful example here this morning where brother was helping up sister and then brother helped sister get down. That was love. That's exactly what we need to be doing as the body of Christ. <clears throat> Lifting one another up when we need to be lifted. Picking us up, putting us back down when we need someone to care for us and watch over us. And so Jesus is saying to the church, is that love still there? Do you still have your first love towards God? Do you have that first love towards one another? 
Revelations 3, 1 to 3, says, I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. Wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you've heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again, because if you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. Again, some pretty strong messages there. We think we're alive. We think everything's good and, and it's wonderful. We think God is okay with everything that's going on in our lives. And God's saying, are you dead? Maybe the Christianity that you have, you might think you have something, but really it's a dead Christianity. I don't want a dead Christianity. I want to have Christianity that continues to follow what the Word of God says. He says here, do your actions meet the requirements of my God? What's in the Word of God? You need a hold of the Word of God. Hold to it firmly. Hold to what we first believe. And again, repent. Repent before the Lord. Revelations 3, 15 to 19 says, I know all the things you do, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you're like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I would spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you'll be rich. Also buy white garments from me, so you'll not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes, so you'll be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Are we hot or are we cold? You know, we often have in our minds that there's a fence. That, you know, there, there's, if you cross that fence, well, you go to hell. And if you don't cross the fence, you're okay. And a lot of people kind of live their lives to get as close to that fence as they possibly can without going in there. Well, I want to give you some news. There is no fence. Jesus says you're either hot or you're cold. There is no in-between. There's no in-between out there. You need to be fully for God or fully not, because that's how God looks at it. You're either for me or you're against me. And we need to be concerned about those things and watch out for our indifferences that we may have one towards another. I think your prayer needs to be, Lord, purify my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me and cleanse me of that. Because all these conditions that Jesus was taught about really brings us to that place where you need to repent. Again, it's so easy for us as Christians just to kind of push it off to the wayside and just say, yeah, yeah, I should, probably shouldn't do that. And, and that's kind of the depth of our repentance when it really needs to be, God, I am sorry. God, I'm going to stop this. This is not going to continue anymore. It ends now. And that's what we need to do in, re in true repentance. Otherwise, it's interesting that God talks about there's consequences to sin. And again, that's another lie that gets preached out there that, you know, nothing's going to happen. You're now a child of God. And so there's no consequences. You can go ahead and sin and do whatever you want and nothing will ever happen to you. And yet God says, no, there will be discipline. There will be corrections. There will be judgments against you. Again, just read the book of Revelation. It's quite clear that there is. 
you know, again, we're easy on ourselves. We, we kind of, you know, take sin as, as not all that bad. And usually it's somebody else's fault or somebody kind of ticked you off or rubbed you the wrong way. Well, Jesus is saying, I want my bride to be ready. That's what he's really trying to say to all of us. I am coming soon. And he's coming for a church that is ready. And so there are some things that God is going to start dealing with the church about because the church needs to be ready and needs to get itself adorned as a bride to be ready for the groom. You can think of the story of the ten virgins in the Bible where it talks about they went to the wedding, but five of the virgins wasted their oil on other things and they didn't make it into the wedding. And he's reminding us that, you know what, repentance is still necessary, even for us as Christians and as a church. Because if we really want to see, you know, the, the growth, the miracles, revival, then we really need to look at ourselves and make those changes and repent. And then lastly, I, I come to communion. Communion is an important time. And as I was preparing for communion, I just began reading over the passages on communion. And, and again, I just see that, you know what, God is speaking to the church, not to the world here, he's speaking to the church about things that you need to do as you prepare yourself for communion. And I realize sometimes uh, myself too, I, we just go over and we just speak of the verses that directly apply to us about communion and we kind of glance over the other part. And so I want to read to you the whole portion this morning of communion. So instead of just reading you that little passage or quoting that little passage that we usually do, I want to read you the whole thing that it might be in context for all of us before we partake this morning. This is what it says, 1 Corinthians 11, 17 uh, to 32. So a few verses to read. But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you. Again, God is speaking to them. Uh, through the apostle, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when we meet together. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you have God's approval and that you'll be recognized. When you meet together, you're not really interested in the Lord's Supper, for some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. Don't you have homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body. <coughs> which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat the bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily, is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. And this is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, 
You are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. And that is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. But if we examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we're being disciplined so we will not be condemned along with the world. We usually don't read all that passage when we do communion. But if we would read the full context of that, God really is telling us, yes, you really do need to examine yourself. We all need to do that. We all need to do that in a continual basis that we examine ourselves to make sure that we have right hearts, right thoughts, right attitudes, right actions. Those things are always important uh, with God. And in this case, he was talking about divisions that were in the church, uh, people trying to form groups to oppose other people in the church or even the leaders of the church, uh, people that were breaking the unity of the church. And those things are very serious matters to God. Uh, they dishonor God. They dishonor the body of Christ. And, you know, issues of pride, uh, spirituality, uh, our rights, and all those kinds of things, recognition, um, selfishness, some of those problems that were in the church. And so, so God is speaking to them that, listen, this stuff doesn't please him. This kind of stuff actually irritates God. And, and God tells us that there will be discipline. There will be things happen. I, I know, again, lots of people out there saying, oh, you know, God just, you know, he's not going to judge you. God's not going to do anything. Oh, that's a bunch of foolishness. No, it's not. It says it right here in the Word. When we're acting out of order to God, when we're fighting within a church, when we're, you know, trying to cause division, God says there will be a, a response. There will be weakness for some. There will be sickness for some. Some will even die. And that's what the Bible says. That's not what I say. It's what the Bible says. And, and God says he does so not because he's a cruel God, but because he doesn't want us to miss eternity. And so he will discipline us. He will correct us. He will, he will allow things to happen in our lives to bring us back to that place that we should be with him. Because God desires all people, everyone to be saved, everyone to enter heaven. And so God will go to great lengths to bring us back on a right path and a right trail. And the other thing you need to re understand about repentance, too, is that there's a time limit. Again, you, you often don't hear that with a lot of people speaking either, but there's a time limit on our repentance. There's a certain, God gives us everybody an opportunity to repent, but if we continue to be stubborn and refuse to repent, then we can bring judgment on ourselves. Listen to the story of Esau. I just referred to one verse uh, of Esau. It's, uh, Hebrews 12, 15, 17, sorry. He says, you know that afterward, when Esau wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged it with tears. And friends, I really encourage you, when God begins to deal with you and say there are things in your life that you need to repent of, repent. Don't wait and keep waiting and don't get stubborn and headstrong because there can be a time where God says, that's it. There will be no more repentance. And we may enter eternity with great regret. So the time to deal with sin is now. Time to take Christianity seriously is now. 
Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time to serve the Lord. Now, I realize this is kind of a more of a serious message uh, to be speaking to you, but I really sense that God wants his church to be ready. God is coming for a church that's ready. He's come for the glorious church without spot or wrinkle. You know, remember that old song? Probably a lot of you don't because you're not old enough to know it. But He's coming for a church that's ready. He's coming for a bride that has been preparing herself. We as a church are the bride. We need to be preparing ourselves for the groom. He is coming again, and he's coming for a bride that is ready. And so we need to look at ourselves and, and examine ourselves. Just as the scripture says, even around communion, it says, take that time to examine yourself. And if there are things in our lives that shouldn't be there, we really do need to get rid of them. We need to be like the scriptures that talk about, search me, O God, and know my heart today. See if there be any wicked way in me. Sometimes we don't always see what's going on in our lives. Sometimes we don't recognize that maybe there's something that's starting to rise to the surface that we haven't dealt with. And God wants us to change your ways and get back to that priority that we might prepare ourselves as a bride that is ready for him. A dream came to my mind this week. And it's kind of been on my heart and trying to think, do I share it, do I share it, do I share it? I'm just going to share it with you because it just kept coming to my mind. I had this dream, can't remember how long ago. And in that dream, there was this tower, and I was on the tower, and at the top of that tower, there was a bed, there was a place of rest. And I was going up and down that tower and bringing people to that place of rest. And there was many people that were going up that tower and experiencing God and experiencing that rest. But there was also many people that were down close to the tower, but they weren't climbing the tower, and they were busy doing other things, going around doing this, doing that, and they were just busy. They were by the tower, but they weren't going up to that place to experience rest. They were just too occupied with the things of life that were around them. Then as I looked further, I could see that some people were upset because there was people on the edge of the woods. And on the edge of that woods were people that were trying to harm the church or work against the church or break the unity in the church. That really is kind of a picture of what is happening in our world today. Anyway, as a pastor, I could see myself, I was continuing to draw people, to encourage people, to bring them to that place of God into a place of rest. And then as I looked to the other side of that tower, there was a great vast number of people that were coming and that wanted to experience God and wanted to experience that rest. And it was like I I needed to grab everybody else and say, hey, we need help here. There's a group of people that are coming that we need to reach out to and bring them to Jesus. And I want to tell you, I believe that's a picture of this church and a lot of other churches as well. God is bringing new people. There's a vast horde of people that are looking for a real encounter with Jesus. They really want to come and experience the rest of God. But we as the people of God need to work together. 
we need to come together and begin to go out into that field, in that harvest field, and start bringing people in. So I, I pray that that speaks to you in some way. But anyway, it was just something that kept me, I was being reminded of over and over again this morning as I was going over my message and even as I'm worshiping and even as I'm standing up here. God wants us to take a look at ourselves. He wants us to take a look at our spirituality. He wants us to take a look. Are we prepared for Christ's coming? Is the kingdom of God something that's important to us? Have we got so caught up with our world around us that we're neglecting the very people that God is wanting to bring in? Are we so concerned about all the things out there that we're missing the fact that there's people here that want to come in? I think those are some things that God wants to speak to us about this morning. And so as we come around this communion table and those that are helping with communion, if you would come this morning and those with worship to sing again. I just had this impression as thinking of communion, as we come together as for communion here this morning and as we look at things in our own lives, there's going to be some things that are going to break, that are going to happen, where judgments are going to be broken off, offenses broken off, gossip, lies, curses, witchcraft, sickness, disease, mental health issues to be broken off. And I know there's some people that are watching online that today that maybe you're not here or maybe you're going through some real tough things where the enemy has been coming against you. Even this pastor that I was talking with this morning was asking me, he says, I don't understand. I don't understand why all these things are happening to me. Why was I in this accident? Why am I still in a hospital when I'm out there reaching and trying to reach the lost? There's a lot of things we don't understand that happen to us in life. But you know what? I think some things are going to be broken this morning as we partake of communion. A new beginning and a new day where we walk together and we support one another, just like the, those two little ones here this morning, loving on one another, helping one another, lifting up one another. May God help us to be that church, that church that is ready, that church that is a bride ready for the groom. So, Lord Jesus, as we come to this communion time, I thank you that you are a God that loves us and cares about us. But, Lord, you care about us as the bride, that you want the bride to be ready. It's important. And so, Lord Jesus, as we come to you today, we give you permission to say, yes, go ahead and examine my heart. See if there be anything, a root or anything that's trying to surface or grow in my life that is not you or that is not pleasing to you. Lord, that you would expose anywhere where I'm chasing the world more than I'm chasing you that I'm chasing after other lovers when I should be chasing after you. I just pray that, Lord, you just speak to each of us here this morning. Lord, we, we recognize there's none of us here that are perfect. And that, Lord, yeah, well, I'm fine. I'm wonderful. I'm good. I know when the spotlight of the Holy Spirit comes, every one of us, including me, all of a sudden we can see things that say, I got to change that. 
God, I'm sorry. God, cleanse me afresh and anew. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, but restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I, I pray that, Lord, as well for people that have left the church, people that have left Christianity. And I pray that, Lord, draw them, draw them, draw them. Bring them back to that place of faith and newness in you. God, you desire that no one would be lost. Your word says only you are able to keep us from falling. So, Lord Jesus, we just ask for those loved ones that we have that right now, Lord, are not following you. Bring them back. Bring them back, we pray. We call them back in Jesus' name. We would speak to the north and the south, the east and the west, and we would say, come back. Come back to the Lord. Come back to your husband. Come back to your groom. He's calling you. He's calling you. And Lord, I just pray that message would get out there. And for us as your church, as a bride, he's calling us. He's calling us, telling us, get ready. I'm coming soon. The wedding is about to take place. Get yourself ready. Get yourself ready. So Lord, we invite you to speak to us. We want to be a ready church. We want to be a ready people. We want to be a ready bride. And as we partake of communion today, Lord, I, I pray that, Lord, as we do so, that we remind that, yes, as we repent, you do forgive. And that your blood washes it, cleanses it, as white as snow. So I thank you for that reminder, Lord. But as we confess our sins to you, you'll be faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and give us a fresh slate. Grant that today. And Lord, for those areas where the enemy has been coming against us in so many ways, where there's been weakness or there's been discouragement, where there's been depression, where there's been sickness, where there's been disease, where there's been things that we can't even figure out what in the world has been happening, we break them today in the name of Jesus. For by your stripes, we are healed in Jesus' name. So let there be a breaking in this place. And then for those that are watching us online, that Lord, that they will experience in their lives today a new day, a new season in Jesus' name. So bless these emblems, Lord, as we partake today and as we consecrate ourselves afresh and anew in Jesus' name. Amen.